back to another episode of The Geek Whisperers. My name is John Mark Troyer. And I'm Amy Lewis. And I'm Matt Brender. Tonight, uh, just the three of us, no guests, we are going to talk about uh, career progression, career competencies, how one contributes inside of an organization as one goes and advances throughout one's career. Um, This is something that uh, uh, we haven't talked about a whole lot. We've experienced different parts of the career progression uh, amongst the three of us. Uh, Like I said, no guest tonight, but it's something that Matt has been thinking about recently and doing some research on. So, Matt, I was just kind of curious, can you talk a little bit about this framework that you were looking at and kind of how you think it relates to the general person uh, out there, listeners' life? Yeah, happy to, John. Yeah, I've got a couple of them to share. Um, And this is just the continuation of we had a podcast not too long ago where we dug into pioneers, settlers and towns planners and had a great conversation about how that could be used to frame the way you think. And as I keep exploring this topic, I find other ones that might be helpful for others. So the first one talks about plateauing and it's the plateauing of you know possibly when you think about a plateau you think about your career um the position that you're in um right because that sounds a little negative do you mean a literal plateau (laughs) i I literally mean a raised landmass in the middle of (laughs) flatland yes literally amy lewis (laughs) damn i deserve that okay uh (laughs) Yeah, no. So figuratively plateauing uh, in their career progression, if you think about that linear career path, the one that we really don't get to have that much. Um, but this author separated out the the linear progression of a career from, you know, junior to senior to manager, etc., but separated it out from contribution plateauing which had more to do with how effective were you in uh, adding value to the business? Like how challenging is the work that you're doing? Um, Do you just do the same work every day or do you take new assignments that uh, add some flair to the day? Um, And I really like that, the separation of what your title is versus what kind of work you're doing. It seems to resonate with the type of conversations we have on Geek Whispers. I, I love that too, because separating that concept of, you know, I'm a manager and I've reached that plateau versus, you know, I could contribute in the following ways because it's certainly a way to uh, offset any urge somebody would have to, well, I hit the highest I'm ever going to hit and now I'm going to stop doing anything. <laughs> you yeah, know? the cruise it's control a, we get great, to. Yeah, yeah, it's a great way to decouple and go, nope, nope, there's leveling in between and, and all up and down the stack and dignity and doing great work. So the the thing that I can identify with here, Matt, is the is the kind of idea that you're doing the same thing over and over again and, and certain jobs get boring because your your job role hasn't changed. Is that what we're talking about here? Or it seems like it's a little more subtle about organizational dynamics. Yeah, the, there's something where if you look at how many positions there are. Um, we were talking about like in a specific org chart or in a specific charter of a chunk of an organization. There's only so many senior roles in those organizations. Um, so the question is, do you stay there knowing that you're, you can't, from a position point of view, progress any further? Or is that not what you're actually looking for and you're just looking for a new challenge? 
So it was a way of reframing whether or not you are looking for an upgrade in role or uh, a promotion of sorts versus are you just looking for a new challenge that might have a broader impact, might have more visibility, might include you know different team members than you're used to, and the separation of those two things. And I love that too because we have heard a million times people thinking, oh, I've, I've got to have direct reports, for instance, because I'm not progressing if I don't, or I have to have this particular title or I'm not progressing. So I'm, I'm very curious to hear again, if we decouple that sort of set that aside and honestly, I think there's something on both sides of the fence saying to corporations provide multiple ways for people to progress. So decoupling for them as well, you know, some reward for contribution versus position or title and, and for individuals to say, all right, I can set a new goal. If I do plateau literally and figuratively, I can set a new goal. <laughs> yeah. And what, what struck me in particular was that I guess I didn't even realize until I saw this, you know, this dichotomy that even if you have the same title, you can totally shift your contribution and prevent plateauing there by thinking about like what are some bigger projects that have broader visibility or what's something really effective that I could offer up that I have unique skills to add uh, and do that I could do along with you know some of the regular deliverables I have to do um, and recognize that our work does change even if our title stays the same. I feel like we need to get a CEO on soon and be like, are you bored? Can you tell us? <laughs> same old every day, same old thing. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think it's it's a great point because you you know what a nightmare it'd be if if everyone in the company was the CEO. I mean, there's all those other frameworks, like you said. There's a million frameworks of you know be the CEO of your own career, et cetera, et cetera. But we all can't be in charge. There has to be some level of hierarchy or organization. So how can you kind of fulfill? the role you're in to the maximum ability or set a new challenge because we can't all, not everybody's going to either want to be CEO or get to that place. Yeah. Hmm. There's, there's only so much room for CEOs or for senior managers. Well, Matt, how much of this has to do with kind of uh, the line of business you're in and, and, and the role uh, that you're at? So for instance, I'm thinking about, I mean, I was in a marketing organization, but you can think about this as an IT, like, I'm in uh, some sort of IT hierarchy. I'm in one arm of that. If I'm really interested in a particular technology, like I can stay in that one arm. And if I if I want to do this thing where I'm I'm plateaued, but you know I want to keep the same title but go different places and learn different things, I might have to do things I don't you know do things in other areas. Now, sometimes that might be, I don't know, storage versus networking or, or, or ops versus architecture. or But it also might be, you know, hands-on typing on keyboard on the, on, the, on the coal face, like sitting in the data center versus project management. So, I mean, how much of it is, is do you need to shift, do you need to kind of shift arm of the org chart versus, versus stay in your org chart and, and find new projects? And just to, just to filibuster a tiny bit more. I mean, my <laughs> problem inside VMware, right, in, in a marketing organization, for instance, um, there was only so far I could go as in, in, in the community group, in the social media group, right? For me to advance in title and in, in responsibility, 
I might have had to switch. I would probably have had to switch groups and go over to field marketing or go over to partner marketing or go over to, you know, tech marketing, like some other part of marketing to both to both to change roles and also to, you know, because I couldn't move up because I had a boss and the boss wasn't going. And, you know, for that practical reason, too. So how much do those kind of org chart skipping around things play into this framework that you've been uh, looking at? I, th- I think it's a dead on um, conversation where what you're talking about when it comes to, you know, you had no room to grow in your current role when you were in community that speaks to the position plateauing which mm-hmm. assumes you yeah, you cannot become you know the vp of community or the the c something the chief community officer in that team because that doesn't exist so you have plateaued in that position so you you always have that opportunity to go to an adjacency do a horizontal move um and but that's focusing on only the position plateauing uh the other way in which you can frame the work is thinking about okay what what am I doing to contribute to the team now and contribute to the organization? And how can I do that in new and unique ways? Um, so I, I find that it, it is perfectly uh, aligned with that um, that goal of yours of, of seeing what options you have in front of you because you have an option to stay in the current role and think about what other effective things can I do that will get work done. Um, that could be, you know, in the community space, that could be uh, focusing on a new contribution, um, like from a new target audience. That could be like learning a new technology and trying to facilitate a conversation around that. Um, it, they're small tactical assignments. They use the term assignments the whole time because your contribution changes from assignment to assignment. If we, again, decouple sort of position slash title from, from actual contribution, which would be, you know, that form of assignment, but but something even broader, I think. What what were some of the stages you were talking about? If, is this a progression? What are some of the stages you see in in how you can contribute? How can you do that differently? Yeah, no, I thought this was a really cool uh, theory that went along with it. And upon some googling, it's called the uh, the stages of contribution, and falls into these four categories where. Um, said simply, stage one, you're contributing dependently. You need guidance to get work done. Stage two, you move on to contributing independently. Stage three, you're contributing through others. And stage four is contributing strategically. Um, that's the, the summary of them. So when you cross that with the um, how you're plateauing in your contribution, you can think about progressing through the stages of uh, changing how effective you are and whether you do that work dependently or independently or through others at, at a strategic level. Well, this is so interesting to me. I, I kind of like this. And at the same time, I'm struggling with a with the third bucket, I guess, the through, um, because I think that can lead in, in its darkest form. There's always the dark side, right? <laughs> in its darkest form, it can lead to that that bulky layer in corporate America of mental management that I don't think a soul amongst us feels positive about. I mean, the very telling of it is is Dilbert, you know. Um, so to con- to only contribute through the works of other people, I don't know. I, I feel like, what do you guys think? I feel like that's a almost a vulnerable place to be because if if that's your sole sum duty is to to enable other people, then I don't know when it's haircut time, I think it makes you vulnerable. No, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know if that is the corner that you are painting yourself into Amy. I think 
what it means more is that you have a higher impact radius because you're working through other people. I am reminded of um, Snover, Jeffrey Snover. Immense respect, right, for him. Uh, my 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 respect for him has grown as of <laughs> even now. Um, but uh, he was talking about right. Didn't he have that story that his manager came to him and said, "Look, you're the best programmer in the in the in the in the office, but you're never going to have a bigger impact until you start working with other people or something like that." That's a good point too. I'm struggling with it a little bit, I guess, because I feel like if you don't contribute something yourself, if you don't hold a piece back. I, here's my argument, I guess. I hear so many people who I feel like are rushing to get away from being individual contributors. And I hear that sort of nonsense in corporate America all the time of, you know, I'm strategic and, you know, they just execute. Um, it's like we just are willing this hierarchy or some some sort of corporate caste system. <laughs> and And I think it's ridiculous because in the end, again, whenever it's time to slim down, you want people that can actually do something. And I think too you often, want the overhead. right? I think people can get into that rest on their laurels and and think their value really is from just hiring an agency or telling somebody else what to do and and forget to be practitioners themselves. I guess I'm I'm going to argue for the art of being a practitioner, even as you kind of climb that hierarchy. Are you saying that there's there's pointy headed bosses and kind of useless executives out there, Amy? <laughs> I again layer the the layer three in this model. If we've got dependent on others, individual contributor through, and then strategery, um, I think that through layer. If you're not also doing something yourself, or if you're through, and I think the the Jeffrey Snover is a great example of still a contributor but amplified kind of linking up with many other people to do that on a broader scale. That's, that's a positive through, that's not just pointy head middle management nonsense. Oh, well, yeah, you really still really have to put the work in and that doesn't mean just, uh, sitting in your office playing, uh, I would say playing Tetris, but that's a, that's a dated reference. What do you play these days instead? Candy crush. Exactly. That's even dated. Amy, but like your your immediate visceral reaction to some of this is just like it's like you read my mind as I was reading through this myself. So a couple of comments you said. So three looks like the the layer of fat you can trim from any organization. Um, But upon really reflecting on this, the stage has no bearing on um, as no correlation with people's job titles. So middle manager um, it does not necessarily work through other people. If, say, that middle manager uh, has to uh, work dependently, can only make decisions when they are uh, confirm with other team members and, and need to always have that, that guidance the whole time, they could still be very well in stage one and not mm. able to guide their individual contributors underneath them very efficiently. And I think a sure. lot of bad managers... Get, end up hanging around there. Then you have that other type of manager that still hangs out in stage two, where they're incredibly effective as an individual contributor, but they're not coaching their team and positioning them for success where they're no longer center stage. Um, so you can have people that progress through that and actually um, reading up on it, as you take on a new role, um, the conversation is you progress through all of these stages, ideally. So stage one Anytime you take on a new role, you start at stage one, you're dependent on everyone, you're researching what's going on, you shouldn't just be making broad statements of contribution and and assuming you know the right way, like, you have to work your way there, work your way back up to wherever you want to be in this model. 
Um, you don't just jump right in and start being strategic. That is actually a really good point. Uh, and, and thank you for reminding me that the decoupling, I think, is important. And you're right. If somebody gets, I, I suppose anybody would be vulnerable and, and probably not progressing well in their own career. And one would think not as happy as they could be either if they get, if they get stuck in that sort of stage one, you know, a new manager, even a new senior manager, a new director, however high you want to say a new VP, even a new VP would be dependent on all the other vice presidents around them, frankly, to learn how to do it. In some ways you've, hopefully you've got a mentor, you've got some modeling, but you know, I mean, right from the jokes of where in the heck is the executive washroom to, uh, you know, (laughs) how to behave. Right. And Mm -hmm. I I will still argue, again, it's the one that I, I will still argue. And I think that's a good point that I think you have to be cautious then in the stage three, I think as people, because I think too often people want to really, as if it's dirty kind of shed, like I'm not just an individual contributor you know, I'm, I'm through people, but I think if people give up the thing that brought them to that next level of progression, then, and don't value and honor what they can contribute as an individual, that knowledge base, if they don't go home and back to that. And you're right. It's a fine balance. You, you don't want to be such an individual contributor that you, you hide out in your office and don't connect with your team. Mm-hmm. How much of this is connected to uh, scoring systems, which I've always, uh, you know, performance evaluations and scoring Mm. systems? Well, because I I recently was talking to somebody and they had gotten a promotion or and they were talking about kind of the, the ranking system, you know, one of these big company ranking systems. And even though they had gotten a really good score the year before, and in fact, they were that's why they were promoted. The rule is when you're in your new position you are automatically set back to meets expectations. You are actually not allowed to to be scored as excelling your very first year in a new role after a promotion. I think for precisely that reason, they kind of mm. built it into the system. It seems unfair to me because I don't think you should build that into the system. But on the other hand, what we're talking about here, no one, once you get bumped up a level, you know, you are a little bit of a stranger in a strange land. Yeah, and... I wonder if it does correlate more. My instinct was to say, no, 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 it's not related because it has to do with impact radius as opposed to um, like how well you're doing your job. But if you do have a a higher grade job in a grading system and you can't work through other people yet because you're still dependent on on leveling up and learning the basics, then, yeah, I guess you are a little earlier in those stages. I don't know. Seems Seems unfair to me. No, and at the well, same time, I think we're all kind of honing in on this kind of the transition between individual contributor and through people, I think is the most vulnerable point because totally. you brought it up as well, Matt, of I, I, I certainly found this out and sort of making that shift this year m- myself is you, I, I joke, it's like parenthood. It really isn't about you anymore. It, it, you have to, you have to give away, you have to give your individual self away for the greater good. And, and it doesn't mean that I think, like I said, you should put it all down. I think you have to practice your craft to have something to say to that, that greater good, but you absolutely, it it cannot be about you credit that you might want that, that, that role presenting a PowerPoint or, or whatever it is, all those things in corporate America that kind of get people the, the shiny objectness, you have to really train yourself that's not about you anymore. That should be your team. 
every single time. Yeah. And, and I think that's what I'm really admire about this model is that e- even as you progress, like the progression is again, it gets more selfless after stage two, like stage true, um, stage two was truly about you. Like how good are you at contributing? How good at you are being an, at being an independent worker and being proactive about things that you see. Um, but once you start moving toward how do I, coach my teammates to be the new subject matter experts on this project? How do I um, find new ways of leveraging the software to, to be effective throughout the organization or team up across the organization? That Yeah, there's a lot of vulnerability there that I think you hit on. Uh, yeah, you, you led to very clearly. And I think the other interesting thing is you can see how somebody might choose to shift a different gear And again, no shame in this because I'm always a huge proponent of people who change up their challenge as individual contributors. Because like I said, I have a real issue with hierarchy that says that shouldn't be valued. So people may plateau and, and then need to change teams or to, you know, switch from whatever, from being a virtualization expert to an open stack expert, or, you know, especially in our universe, Technology provides endless ways to kind of reinvent, learn something new, et cetera, et cetera. We've had so many great conversations with people who do that, that I don't think that there should be any sort of um, shame applied to somebody just not wanting to take on contributing through people in a managerial sense or attaching it to a title, but but sort of continuing to reset the clock and, and how they become an individual contributor. I think the thing that struck me uh, on that matter, though, is uh, whether you want to contribute, whether you want to progress in a large corporation as an individual contributor or as a manager, you have to start hitting on the contributing through other people um, and scale it beyond yourself. And I, I love that about this theory. I think people can hang out in stage two and be great individual contributors that aren't too dependent on their managers or, or leadership to, to tell them and micromanage them what to do. Um, but if you want to continue to progress and have the p- be, be, go beyond your position plateau that you're in today, you have to start thinking about changing the way you work in order to work through other people. Hmm. Also prevents your job from being taken over by robots. <laughs> and a very important element very of important. all of our careers in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, I genuinely think that's true. To get automated out, I, that's the human factor, right? To to one plus one equals three. That's that's still something machine learning can't quite do yet. Bingo, bingo. Well, Matt, I was gonna accuse us of being kind of abstract with this whole conversation, but I think you were getting at a couple of different things. So, like, if somebody is thinking about this for themselves, or, or you know, I don't know if you're thinking of, I assume you're thinking about this in your career too. But what are some practical steps that people can take? to move through these levels of competency um, and uh, or levels of contribution to, to move to a higher level, even at the same you know title and sure. same corporate level? Well, let me give you two examples that came up today. One is uh, there's a hypothetical sales manager who was applying for a new job. And on his resume, under um, what he's done for sales, it talked about his contributions, his ability to close this big deal for the company, his ability to uh, to re- retain you know top uh, Fortune 500 customers. Um, and when looking at that, we were asked, okay, so what stage is that person in? You say they're a manager, um, 
so they must be in stage three or stage four. But when you look at the way he presented himself, he was firmly in stage two as an independent, uh, as independently contributing, or at least that's the way he positioned himself. Um, Mm -hmm. So what was interesting about that is if you think about how you're writing your resume or how you're even just pitching what you do. Resumes are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about uh, highlighting the type of work that you want to do, like whether you're working through people, um, if that's your goal or whether you're trying to highlight yourself as a subject matter expert. Um, you can, if you're going for a management position, it'd probably be, be-, be better to reframe that conversation as talking about what you've accomplished with the team as opposed to what you accomplish as an individual. Hmm. Maybe even opposite of sometimes what we're told, right? Yeah, we're absolutely. We're kind of told to, to show our highlights and what we did versus what the team did because, it, it, you know, people... Hiring managers don't want you to hide behind, you know, the team did this, the team did that. But you're, but you're right. If it, at a certain level, you've got to be talking about how you enabled the team. Yeah, you still have to talk about yourself, though. That I think that's what you just came to that I, I want to mm. reinforce, that I th- think it's really important to still talk about you, especially during an interview process. Um, but I think how you talk about you, whether you talk about how you as an individual overcame all these challenges and, and accomplished things, or whether you, you know, through the team accomplish these things by providing, you know, management and counseling and coaching and um, process and, you know, other things that really level you up uh, to be considered more as a strong manager than just a strong individual contributor. Um, And Mm -hmm. taking that from a personal note, I think I've always positioned myself in a way where I naturally want to work through people but I always write all those things down as an individual contributor. And I think I attract work that is individual contributor type work because of that. So I've been thinking a lot about how to reframe how I power, empower other people to be effective as opposed to just highlight what I'm good at myself. Maybe we should uh, give people the pro tip that if you sound like you're an opera singer warming up during your interview where it's me, 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 <laughs> then, then maybe that's bad. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I thought was cool, there's an example of an executive assistant who saw an opportunity to um, improve a process uh, that uh, would affect communication across teams and took it upon herself to, to get in touch with each of the team leads and create this new uh, means of communication and uh, took that on. And the question was, what stage of work is she in? Um, and the answer is solid stage three, that she, she found this opportunity to work through other people and, and level them up uh, and improve their communication um, as a whole and benefit her management team um, without needing to you know, have those as direct reports. And uh, that lends itself really nicely to the contribution plateau idea of just because you have daily tasks that are outside of this, like if you see an opportunity to fix something and you have, you know, the trust in your system to do that, which is really important here, um, you can go do that and be really effective and, and change a culture. I think that is so important. I actually had a conversation with somebody recently that it really struck me um, a very much a story like that. Um it, you know, she started as a an EA and has moved to a, a different role that leverages some of those same skills. And I think so often people can look at administrative work. Again, I just detest the hierarchy that comes along with that um, and, and, and either look down upon it or not value it in the same way other contributions. But everybody in the end has to pull together 
to, to make things work. Everybody needs to do their maximum and each role is, is important. And, and she had these great stories of, of doing things exactly like that, which then led to other opportunities because people could see, you know, the skill set. people could see kind of the broader skill set because it wasn't, it wasn't just about her. It just wasn't her, you know, she could have easily stayed within her little box, but, but opted not to because she saw something better that was great for the whole company. Mm. Yeah. This is really coming home for me. Um, maybe time for a story. Shall yeah. I, shall I tell a story? Okay. Love a so gather around. Lean back gather. in your air on chair. <laughs> <laughs> gather around. Hold on. I'll let's tell the story. Let's turn up the campfire. Well, this is, um, boy. So yeah, yeah, this is, this is hitting home. So I was, uh, if folks might know, right. I was raised as an academic uh, I was raised as an academic. I wasn't raised as an academic. I went to grad school and to become an academic. And in, in academia, in grad school, it's kind of a guild system. You don't have this kind of organizational dynamic at all. And you're kind of trained by a professor and you're in a lab and your work is in a very individual. And so I mean, you collaborate on projects, but you know, ultimately you're, you're in kind of in school and you're graded on your own, your own contribution and your own individual research in a PhD program. So then I started a company. <laughs> I went to work for a company and I did okay. And I went to start my, I jumped right into starting my own company. And I realized I did not have any kind of grasp of this sort of framework at all, or, or even what was involved. And so while I was very, um, the company was successful, we raised a lot of money. I think we got up to over a hundred people and then we went, you know, and then down to zero. But, um, the, in the company, I was the CEO in the beginning, but I, I did not know how to enable others, right? I was a lot about myself. Like I was this, I was, I was good at raising money myself, uh, or, you know, or with some colleagues, I was good at making the decks. I was good at, um, I was kind of the head of product. So I owned kind of the product vision. So I would make up those decks, but I wasn't very good at um, kind of delegating and enabling others to kind of take that and kind of working with them um, to, to facilitate, you know, their their roles in building all this stuff. So I don't think I was a very good CEO. And even then at VMware, a lot of my – I was always an individual contributor. And I did a lot of enabling of the organization. And I did a lot of enabling of other people. And that was actually the best parts of the job. And I don't know how quite that's how related to the framework, both internal and external people. But even when I was doing it, I was going around. A lot of what I did at VMware was I was going around working with different groups, but kind of coming in as the subject matter expert. I'm the social community guy. Let me tell you how to work with your project. And I would try to train them, but really they didn't want to be trained. And they didn't really want to do the social and community stuff. They really wanted me to take care of it. And so that the easiest role for me to do was all also to uh, to kind of be this you know the expert that walked in and told you what to do. So again, I could see how I, I was not really operating at a at a at a high level program manager level. You know the three or four that we're talking about here. Um, you know I did do a lot of great things, right? I, I ran the community program. I started a lot of the social media programs. I started the podcast. I mean I started a lot of things. I, I created a lot of things. But I can see how fitting into this thing. Um, you know I wasn't driving part of the VMware ship, uh, in that way. And then, you know, and when I left VMware to start this consulting company that I now run, you know, again, a lot of it was, Hey John, tell us what to do. Companies were coming to me while I was at VMware and asking John, you know, how can we do what VMware does be the expert for us? And mm-hmm. so in some senses, a consulting company is the expert for other companies and you're trying to enable them to, but, um, you know, the first couple of years, it was either just me or, you know, we, mostly just me coming in and, and again trying to be the expert. But increasingly, now we have a little company and we have you know a four you know four-ish people 
that are working here with me. And, and even the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, and I work with my wife and it's, it's, it's very engaging uh, and, and we're learning also learning a lot, but I, it's, it's very relevant to me right this week and this month about uh, we've been talking, even with this small little company, how I need to be delegating and teaching and uh, enabling other people to work uh, more effectively because even at this small level, right, I can't do everything and I can't be the smartest guy in the room because it just doesn't scale. So it's very, I, I, I am on a journey myself and learning how to do this, but it's, it's certainly very relevant even in my career. So, um, I, you know, I really appreciate you bringing this, bringing this, uh, bringing this up, Matt. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so glad it, uh, it hit home for you, John, cause I, I really do think it, it scales up and down. It's, it's just one of those, we're all on this personal journey of how we communicate our value to others and, uh, just a, you know, a couple visual aids to do so. I'm glad it hit home. And I, I love to te- tease you and poke fun because you are in some ways our philosopher. Um, yes, but, uh, I always wanted to be dang that. Dang it. <laughs> dang it. This is practical and it's got me thinking too. So, uh, thanks a lot, Matt. Anytime for you, Amy. Anytime. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll ask uh, Amy. I don't know if we have the appropriate context for the traditional uh, last question of the episode. No, I think we need to ask it. Really? uh, Well, I think John just told a story with, uh, you know, sort of what he might do differently. So, So, Matt, like with this framework... What what would you say you're going to focus on not doing again? How are you going to avoid the traps of getting caught on one of these rungs? Oh, that's a that's a great one. Um, I am not going to focus on. Oh no, I need to take a second and frame this. Evil Amy, <laughs> it's still hard even being on the show. As long as I have, it still even takes when a you minute. You know it's coming. Damn it, it's the best. <laughs> I I find it it's easy to let myself simmer in stage one. So I'm not going to let myself be overly dependent on someone, even if that certainty is very comforting, right? Like Mm. there's much less risk to always double checking before you make a move. Um, Right. Or even a mentorship position where you kind of really admire somebody. So you, you you feel more confident, right? Like, and you, you always feel like, you know, maybe I should just double check with Amy before I do this just in case. Mm -hmm. And that that's good for a while, but that can really hold you back um, in the long run. Uh, Like, so I'm not saying don't check with people and don't get other opinions on big moves. Um, That, that would be the wrong conclusion here. But I am thinking that to start seeing myself as a more powerful uh, contributor to any organization, formal or informal, uh, I need to think about how I build enough trust in in myself and in the process so that I can scale uh, beyond contributing um, independently of people and even beyond independently of other people and start thinking, how do I help other people execute really effectively? Mm. That's good. That's good. It took a minute. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I, I think for me, I'm, I'm really struck with, I think in early in my career, I was very impatient to get to, I also fell for the trap of, I have to manage people or I'm not growing. And I see now, I, I, I really do like this framework that, that we all give up something if we don't push ourselves to progress within whatever role we're in, if we don't, if we don't sort of strive to do as much as we can with whatever we're given. And it doesn't mean that people shouldn't, you know, 
ask for that promotion or, or seek that next title level if that's appropriate and right and what they want. But there is uh, there is great dignity in sort of maximizing your levels and what you're doing uh, as an individual contributor or just getting started. Any any plateau you hit, how can you get the most out of it? <sighs> Amy, are you telling us that we have to be good at the job we have to get the job we want? <laughs> uh, I'm so boring. <laughs> uh, such a grown-up attitude. And what a promotion now. Damn it. Uh. <laughs> Okay, well, I think we sh- I think we've kind of uh, we've chewed on this one enough. I think it's fascinating. Hey, Matt, is there any things that people should Google or places that people can find out more about these kind of things you were talking about? You know, we'll put some links in the the notes of this podcast on stages of contribution, or you can Google that term. Um, but while you're thinking about that, it also push people to to think about career plateaus and contribution plateaus. Nice, nice. And uh, feel free to, to shoot us a note and maybe, you know, we, we'll put it on the blog or talk about it in Twitter or whatever, right, uh, if this one resonated with you. So uh, everybody out there, stay healthy, uh, use hand sanitizer, uh, get some exercise, get lots of sleep. Uh, you got to make it through uh, the next couple months of uh, conference and holiday season. Okay? Okay. You too. <laughs> and with that, it's been another episode of the Geek Whisperers. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Geek Whispers. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers, Jay Troyer, MJ Brender, and Coms Ninja. Thanks for listening. I don't think what I don't think that that's oh mother 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 okay we're okay I thought I screwed up um okay okay well I'll, should I erase the last bit then yeah just throw it yeah. away it's all good problem exists between Aaron chair and seven yeah. microphones <laughs> yeah, yeah. one microphone just multiple computers multiple tracks I was just recording I was lots recording. of lumbar support though. Yeah, yeah, you're on. You're on. Uh, you both are on one track, but that I still didn't manage to do it right. We are a one track mind together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs>